Welcome back, everyone, to R2Cast number 144. The last episode we had there was with Cannon Hall Farm, so very much sort of sprung to fame on TV and social media and whatnot. Um, and I had embarrassingly never watched them, but my dad said they're very good, and uh, it was a fantastic chat, so I very much enjoyed 143. Go and listen to that if you've enjoyed watching Cannon Hall Farm on Channel 5, I believe Channel 4 as well, and uh, also a bit on social media. The next episode we have is with Katie Tunstall, who at the minute I'm saying this, I've kind of forgotten her name on Instagram, but I've followed Katie for, for quite a while now. Um, so that'll be a fun, fun episode there, and I'm just trying to fill a wee bit of speaking so I can get her name on Instagram. Diary of a Shepherdess, I knew it was something Shepherdess. Um, uh, another good episode coming there, and we've got quite a few coming on with the the All In series. So that's obviously one four four. We're on this this week. Um, one four seven. So. Th- well, a week and a half from now will be um Hillary Reed, who is a sort of a a professional snooker player, but she came into the snooker world uh, as obviously as a female called Hillary uh, in the 70s and it was very difficult to get into and she sort of broke down some boundaries and that side of things and it was just a it was a really fun chat I think Ed asked one question um, Hillary was not for stopping and uh, it was it was really entertaining and uh, yeah there's some pretty pretty big statements in there as well so really good fun and I think I think in truth Hillary probably hadn't had the chance to sort of speak about it for some time and maybe maybe family and that had heard the stories before and she just went into it and it was lovely and then 150th episode is filmed is with an Olympian um, which is very exciting someone who completed at the Tokyo Olympics so a pretty big one for a pretty big episode Um, I don't think I've said this on the podcast I'm trying to think if I said it on the Cannon Hall Farm one I don't think I have Um, for those that follow me away from the podcast and for the podcast in fairness this has sort of become a bit of an outlet for me for for me to say things that are happening obviously the last few months been traveling to um traveling to Africa. I did Tanzania and Rwanda. Um, I will be in America next week. I have another trip that I'll be doing that I absolutely can't say anything about, but will once I'm back. Um, I can't give you any inclination as to what it is uh, for for safety reasons, really. Um, and then after that, Shetland is on the on the cards. But the thing I'm going to say is, in the last week or the last, I guess, four days, I've been successful in an off-field application. So for those that know farming, probably know that's a pretty big deal. For those that don't probably haven't heard of it what it is is basically i've always sort of seen it as as probably bigger than a phd in farming sort of the ability to travel and sort of gain agricultural knowledge to bring back and try and better the sector in this country so very much looking forward to that have pinpointed japan singapore eh, switzerland and holland to go to as well as brazil france and maybe one more place in africa because it's still my heart africa did so i think i might be going back um but today we have another fantastic episode coming and it's with a a person I did not know two months ago, three months ago, sorry. Well, three months and a week ago, I didn't know. Uh, and over the course of two days, I got to know very well. Um, I was concussed in her house. I lived in a caravan in her field. I got to know her parents, Jane and John, who were the best hosts we've ever had very well. And the person that um, I'm talking about is Neris Lewis. Neris, would you like to say hello? Hello, thank you for having me. It was lovely to host you all down um, from Scotland. Quite a weekend we had for sure. Just before we get started with another episode of the R2Cast, I would like to thank our primary sponsors, Howden Rural, formerly known as A-Plan Rural. Howden are heavily involved in the social media scene in the ag space with over 100,000 followers on Instagram. 
They use this following to host social media takeovers with farmers throughout the country to showcase their stories, as well as posting to their rural community blog with further articles about these people in the sector. On top of this, they like to support initiatives that are championing the British agricultural industry, such as myself. So thank you to Howden Rural for that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how much it's podcast friendly. Like, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was quite, it was good crack. So basically, um, there's a young farmers club down in Wales, which we'll absolutely get into right, right as you sort of come into Wales at South Wales. Um, so it's like maybe 20 minutes after you actually get across the border, uh, which was great fun. And Lower Nith, my, my club, uh, we went down, I think there was eight of us or six, I can't remember exactly, a few of us went down um, and uh, what a weekend was had. I think we spoke about it on the podcast. I think I had someone on, we did Lower Nith at one point on the podcast, and when we had them on, we spoke about it, but it was just a, a, a fun-fueled weekend, which we will get into uh, we'll get, we'll get into as we go. Um, but I wanted to shout out Neris's parents because they, uh, I've had pretty good hospitality in my time and, and certainly coming from a family where uh, guests should be fed well and made to feel like home, it was uh, it was certainly one of them. You felt like you could just go to the kettle, you could make toast, you could do whatever you want, whatever you wanted. It was really homely and really nice. So uh, uh, we'll get into that and it will be a bit of crack to, to reminisce on. But uh, Nerys, could you give the viewers a wee bit of background about yourself um, before we sort of get into the bones of it? Yeah, I'm going to apologise. The dogs are going mad. So I'll be done we, so I'm Neris. I am secretary of my club in Gwent, Wentwood. I have just stood down from being international chair with Wales Young Farmers. Um, I had brilliant two years as chairman there, helping to expand that international programme, which actually we just had the interviews for yesterday. We had over 95 applicants. Um, so that was pretty awesome. Um, yeah, we beef and sheep farm at home. I also work for a local poultry farm that has uh, farms all across the border, well, the England-Wales border, I should say, (laughs) (laughs) and across over to Brackley and as far as Norfolk, and they've also got some farms going up then to Yorkshire, so I help on some admin and administration on the poultry farms over there. Um, That's been pretty awesome. I did my IAGS qualifications to be a farm secretary, and one day I'd quite like to do that for myself on different farms. But at the moment, I'm enjoying learning um, the poultry side of it, um, pre-audits and things like that. So that's going quite well, as well as working at home on the beef and sheep farm. And I suppose I do a lot of horses as well. I hunt a lot yeah. with a local hunt and produce show ponies. So had a busy summer doing that. Yeah, there's here. The Instagram's got a lot of ponies on it, and I, uh, your Facebook's what I'd, I'd followed until probably about two hours ago. I actually followed your Instagram. I'm terrible at following Instagrams. So I follow on Facebook, and then I'm like, oh, Instagram's where everyone is. I should probably look at that. But um, yeah, uh, we'll get into the, the sort of horse side as well because that's certainly a fair chunk of it. But could you tell us a bit about uh, a bit about the home farm itself? So we run about 850 ewes across 220 acres plus rented a bit more, um, crossbred ewes. We run some Welsh, some Suffolk Welsh, some mules, um, different types of tucks for different sort of lamb that we have. Um, we've put some in now to lamb in February and then the rest we lamb in March onwards. Um, and then we've got a suckler herd. We run a Parthenese bull and a Charolais bull. And we've also got about 45, 50 suckler cows crossbreds, limb crosses, Hereford crosses, 
um yeah and just building the numbers back up basically on the cattle side of things and are you selling things mostly store or are you selling things fat finished most of our lambs majority finished off grass well 95 percent finished off grass and then store cattle sold um at at the local markets either ross market takes all our lambs or our cattle go to raglan market right okay i take it they're pretty close yeah yeah, so Ross Market is the other side of the border, but it's like 20 minutes, half hour away. And then Raglan, Monmouthshire Livestock Centre, as I should call it, is literally the same distance. So we're sat right, right between both. Um, we do farm across border. We've got land in England and in Wales. So, yeah, it's um, it's crazy. Like some of our land, you can't actually see it, but it's closer to us than some of our Welsh land, and it's just the other side of the border. So, yeah. Does, does that come with any challenges or not at all? Yeah, that does pose a few challenges um, with like licenses and requ- requirements, um, CPH and things like that. Yeah. But to be honest, we've been doing it long enough now, kind of know our way around it. And um, yeah, I suppose it's what you get used to. Um, basic payments for two different holdings is the easiest way to do it. I've got friends and their land, their fields are literally half in one, half in the other. And that poses a big problem. But because ours are separate blocks of ground, it's not so challenging in that sense. So out of interest, you might not actually know this because you don't have it, but if, if there is a field that's halved, is the easiest solution to put a fence, but you don't want to do that? Uh, um, so the majority of people then would claim it. So friends that I know then would be predominantly Welsh farms and they'd have some fields in England and they'd claim it all through the Welsh government, but then they'd reclaim it back through the English, but it would just take a lot longer and a lot more paperwork and like hoops to jump through as such. Whereas we just keep the two holdings separate, even though all the livestock is on the home farm in Wales, we can move it to the other with pr- pretty simply, but if we claim anything, we claim it as two separate entireties. Yeah, that seems easier. Yeah. yeah. Uh, actually, I'm not involved at the home farm much at all now, but I believe my mum and dad have two separate holdings. They are both on in Scotland, but um, I assume it just operates in the same sort of way, in fairness. Um, yeah, it's, it's probably, I can't imagine we've had someone on the podcast before who has holdings in two different countries. Um, now, it's not strictly two different countries, I know, but it is, it is in a way, and it's, a, it's quite an interesting one and quite a, a niche thing. And it seemed to be when we were down in July that everyone had that. <laughs> and I remember I heard about it. I was like, oh my God. And they were like, yeah, because you live with it. It's what's normal. It's what's normal. And it's probably not a yeah. big deal at all. Like, it's the board's Wales... far away. So it's Yeah, easy. that's it. That's it. Um, is Wales a fair chunk NVZ? Have they moved towards that nitrogen vulnerable zone? Well, Wales have moved to a complete NVZ. Is it 100%? 100%. Yeah. yeah. Um, it poses some challenges and it's kind of. I think it's completely wrong because there's lots of areas that shouldn't be MVZs and not being funny farmers know when is the right time to spread muck and not um, like everybody's on muck spreading at the moment because they can. Yeah. Because before long we won't be able to, whereas the round conditions could be perfect for it. But because we're now on this MVZ, we're not allowed, um, which I think is ridiculous. And like, it's not posed to be a problem with us, but a lot of farms, especially dairy, have had to put more slurry storage in, etc., because they can't store it over the winter months when they're yeah. not allowed to spread. What well, is it? Is it October to February? Is it? Yeah, I can't yeah, remember. So, yeah. The day, but yeah, 
I would just like to quickly interrupt the show for a minute to give you some extra information about our primary sponsors, Howden Rural, the new name for A-Plan Rural. Howden Rural provide bespoke insurance cover for farms and estates. This could be for anything from tractors and machinery to a new exciting diversification venture. Be sure to check out Howden Rural today. Yeah, it's a tricky one. I mean, like um, in Ireland, they've went, they've not went quite like Wales. I actually always mix up if Wales are one hundred percent or Ireland's one hundred percent. But I know obviously Wales is one hundred percent, so Ireland's quite high. And there's been that thing over there with that Loch Nay, where it's been eutrophied, and farmers are getting the blame and whatnot. And here, maybe it's right, uh, maybe it's farmers' fault, but it's it's like I, I just don't think there's ever a blanket solution to anything. No, and we no. have a lot of problems with um, the waterworks release, releasing a lot of sewerage and blaming it on poultry farmers and dairy farmers and beef farmers and cattle using the river for water and things like that. And it's it's very frustrating when you can see them regularly re- releasing sewerage and then blaming us. For sure. And we're like, you're there, you're doing it three, four times a week and you take nothing for it. Mm-hmm. Like no blame, no anything, and they're like, "Well, we can just pay the money; it doesn't matter." That's not the point. The point is the wildlife and the rivers and everything. We want it to be healthy. Like farmers look after their environments more so than anybody, and that's a frustrating fact. When like most people are trying to reduce the amount of emissions they put out, and mm-hmm. yeah, there's always going to be somebody that doesn't, and there's always going to be an accident that happens. But then you look at the sewerage being let go and apparently that's fine. It's it's like hitting your head against a brick wall sometimes. Yeah, it is. And I think you make a really good point. I mean, what farmer out there is thinking, do you know what we need less of? Nature. You know, like, and and no one wants to reduce biodiversity. No one wants to reduce their sustainability environmentally because if they do, their business becomes less sustainable. Like, it, it just, it, it comes hand in hand. But uh, yeah, that NVZ must be must be troublesome. And I, I, here, I don't envy you. We're, as you know, from Dumfries and um, the way that I sit at the minute, what's well, a flat, it's hardly an NVZ. But you know, the area I'm in is, a, is not NVZ, but there is a fair chunk around here. And it's, it's like prime dairy ground. You need to, you need, to, <laughs> you need nutrients in the ground. Like, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a troubling thing. And I get the reasons for it. Um, I just think, I don't think that sort of blanket solution is the way it's, forward. But. It's not the answer. It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't solve the problem. It might reduce it slightly for the first year, yeah. but it's not going to show a long term effect. Yeah, agreed. And that's that's the frustrating thing that if they speak to us farmers that we want to help and we we want it to be better, but just going a blanket MVZ is not the way forward to progress. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. And I think, yeah, it's just always the case. There's never there's never a solution that fits everything. It's got to be case by case. It's got to be. Um, yeah, here we could sit here and moan for all day, couldn't we? But uh, away away from uh, away from the home farm itself now, there's obviously quite a quite an intense amount of, of um product going off the farm. But away from the farm at home, um you've got uh, the job that you mentioned there uh, and the poultry side of things. Now, poultry is an interesting one at the minute, and I think that probably the most topical thing with poultry is oh, <clears throat> this is where I try to pretend that I know about politics. I don't Jacob Rees Mogg saying that it would be good to have chlorinated chicken coming into the UK, he didn't care. Um now I'm not saying that's strictly bad, I don't know. Uh, I don't think it's as good as non-chlorinated chicken, but um poultry's in the news in that sense. But 
Had you had you worked in poultry before, and and how did you find yourself in in that position? To be honest, no. Um, I can't stand birds. I, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. They just creep me out a bit. But the right sort of job. Well, I sort of fell into the right sort of job, and it's been developing and growing with me. I'm self-employed working there. I get along with the people I work with and it's a role that's growing and it's still quite new to me. I've only been there since May and then I spent the last six weeks laid up with a broken leg. So I haven't really (laughs) been doing a lot since, but I'm looking forward to get back to it. Um, But yeah, the fluorinated chicken, I we're, we're striving for better welfare standards. We're striving for more free range, more better produced food across the board. And then we have people come in and, almost belittle us saying that why don't we just import chlorinated chicken um, beef that's grown in a test tube New Zealand lamb yes it may have good welfare standards but it's nowhere near as good as ours Mm. and I think the lamb one is one I'm quite passionate about because that's what I've had most involvement in growing up then and you look and you see that supermarkets promote imports more than they do promote local produce and it's it's just crazy like I don't understand why people people think shear and sheep's bad and milk and cows bad but actually the world we live in if we didn't do it that's wrong and I think that education of some people and how they think they have a right to belittle farmers is ridiculous because we're all trying to strive the best and we all want local healthy food and yeah I, I just it's ridiculous they're pushing us for higher welfare standards all the time yet we haven't got the support behind it and it I mean I was having a discussion with a student there yesterday we were talking about branding and whatnot and you go into Tesco you go into wherever at your eye line is New Zealand like it's not it's not scotch it's not you know Welsh for you guys it's it's um <laughs> money talks it's the cheaper stuff and the reason it's cheaper is the stand the quality is lower now people might not think the quality of the product that they eat is lower but the quality from a, a like you're talking about welfare perspective is i mean new zealand's famously efficient to the point of forgetting these things like they're amazing at what they do but they forget that entirely so yeah it's a shame um is that same issue in the or maybe your poultry involvement's layers or is it chicken is it broiler based is that in the same in that side of things it is broiler based mate. yeah broilers all broilers um are we seeing those same challenges from uh from yeah, it's yeah it's very similar and um the demand for cheap chicken they, literally it's one of the well it is most probably the biggest selling meat on the shelves everybody wants it but they don't want to pay for it and they want a chicken that is this size no bigger no smaller to feed your family of four and if it's slightly out of spec it's it's too much money or it's too little money or it's not enough the modern day chef in the family home doesn't know what to do with leftovers then or how to stretch a meal like they used to and I think that's a a big reason behind it because we've got we sell to our poultry days into di- different places and they've they've all got different specs and standards but we tried to, well we aim to rear all of ours to the highest standard that the one farm is at and if everything is at that as well yes there'll yeah. be different things we need to do to tick boxes for audits but they are all at the highest standard across the board then 
and that's the way we see best for for the way we're producing then and to get that regularity and similarity across farms it's the the, the poultry side's always interested me because it's I mean, along with pigs it's by far our most advanced livestock system yeah. um and we're still in the position that you can go in and you can buy frozen blocks of chicken for, and I'm not going to say a number per kilo because I don't know what it is, but you look at it and you think, what? How is that possible? Um, and it's here. I've been a student. I've been the person that needs it. I've been whatever. And I'm not at all going to be that person that comes out and says people should pay for it because I don't think that's the answer. I don't know what the answer is. Um, I think if we leave the well, sorry, we have left the EU. I think when we leave the EU and our sort of um, subsidy changes occur, I think people are going to starve. You know, because we we can't if I can't see subsidy being as good as it is currently, we can't afford in a lot of systems like now. As your farms are is has got a lot of stock per hectare, and our farms the opposite. But I still don't think either of them are going to cope without assistance. You know and. Yeah. And that's 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 because of what the price of food is, and people can't afford it at that rate. Now, if we're not getting that influx of 10, 20, 30, 40, 100 grand, whatever a year to take that price off, it's going to be a dangerous, dangerous time. And I generally don't know what it means for the sort of UK population. Um, quite a worrying thought, in fairness, but it's a uh, it's important to consider, and we do need to talk about it and and like sort of seeing the stuff you do, young farmers and stuff, and speaking speaking around Europe and whatnot, which we all get into, is is important to have those discussions. I mean, it's uh, <laughs> we're probably in a position in the UK where it's as good as it can be, but sorry, yeah, it's crazy, and the fact that there are so many farmers out there that if it wasn't for subsidies, wouldn't be able to survive. Um, I think that's not a positive thing to start with. Um, a farm should be aim well. It should it should be aiming to make profit so that it is sustainable in itself and to keep going. But the fact that if we lose these farms, what are we going to do? Like in Wales, it's a big push at the moment, and the new schemes coming in as they want to plant so much of your farming trees. And the more you plant in trees, the more money you get. But why are we planting good, profitable ground with trees when? It should be used for corn, for potatoes, for rearing and fattening livestock. Like, there's plenty of rubbish ground that we can plant trees on. And there's plenty of trees already that just need the right care and attention. Like, there's forests around us. They've, de they've cut them all down, but they haven't planted them properly, so none of it's grown. And it's like, you can get away with that as the council, whatever you are doing it. But if we do it as a farmer is frowned upon like you do everything so that it can grow and strive to the best of its ability but at the end of the day we're more concerned about looking after our livestock than looking after five acres of trees that have been planted because that is a physical thing yeah yeah 100 percent. yeah i can't agree more the tree thing's mental to me uh, I mean, I, we obviously need trees but... i i hate to say it but the likes of ed sheeran he has bought a farm in wales a plant full of trees to reduce his carbon emissions so he can still fly all over the world like oh, yeah and it's, it's an interesting one that because the Ed Sheeran example slightly better than for example I don't think it's perfect by the way because it causes so many issues but the it's slightly better than the likes of like Anders Paulson Anders Paulson owns ASOS he's the biggest biggest landowner in Scotland and uh, what he's done is he's bought hectares and hectares of forestry 
You haven't changed anything. No. <laughs> Nothing's got better. No, you haven't improved a thing. We years ago it happened around us. We um ground we used to work rent, good ground, and it was bought by a light bulb company. And every after so many light bulbs you buy, you can go and visit your own tree on this ground. All it is is of what is that 120 acres planted with trees? Do many people go and visit their tree? Is that a thing? No, but but it's the fact that oh, our business has bought all our light bulbs from here. We can now go and look, there's been a tree planted for all of our light bulbs. Well, it's not, you haven't benefited anything. You haven't, you've just taken away from that area's productivity. Yeah. It's uh, to your carbon credits and that whole idea is scary. I speak about it a lot. It's it's a scary concept. We're not quite there, but I I see no way in how it won't be there. Carbon credits, biodiversity credits, whatever the second, the second you get an enticed deal from a billionaire who's going to pay it, whatever, and you you sell those credits, those whatever tokens, whatever you want to call them, you're done for. Like I said, ah, I don't know. I'm not a fan. Not a fan. Uh, it's not. Don't get me wrong. Like I've travelled. I enjoy travelling, and I'm not going to stop. But there's other ways to reduce your emissions than buying ground and planting trees. Yeah. Yeah. Here, I agree. I agree. Um, and I actually, I don't know if you noticed, but I sort of proposed this topic because, well, I mentioned at the start of this episode, I think in October, seven flights and then um, and in November, I'll have two more. And if this goes ahead, I'll be, well, it's going ahead. I'll be flying thousands and thousands of miles. And I put the question forward, you know, is, is it okay to have a carbon footprint if your end goal is better? Um here it caused a debate it caused a real debate but it's an interesting one it really is an interesting one but here anyways we're really negative for the first 20 minutes um <laughs> let's uh, let's get into something a bit more fun can you tell us about your horse riding life what's what's involved there it's not just you've got showing and then you've also got hunting is that right yeah so i grew up on a farm um uh, you mentioned my mum good as gold always had horses about but i was never allowed to do much for the horses until i was old enough to sort of muck them out handle them tack up was do everything myself which in the long run has been brilliant because I I do it all I can there's no doubt there's no oh so I'm not riding today somebody hasn't tapped up for me never had that and to be honest I'd never want it I'm lucky to have my horses at home um over the years I've produced a lot of hunters and I've loved it I as soon as I was old enough I went out of our local pack for Monmouthshire and literally dad dropped me off the day master kept an eye on me was like yeah good she can ride no problems you can drop her off and pick her up and that is literally what I've done for seasons now and it's been brilliant I've had novices I've hunted other people's horses problemed horses and I've really enjoyed it it's been a really learning opportunity um for a couple of years I used to ride out for people I'd go around and ride four or five different lots a day and just exercise and that was my form of income um I wouldn't say I want to work with horses my whole life I've worked on an eventing yard and it was brilliant and I had great opportunities while I was there but I'm kind of selfish in the way that my own horses are more important to me and they're my hobby and my enjoyment and I want them to be that um so this summer I've had a young park bred mare I broke her in last year and I've shown around all the local shows and then, silly or not, I entered her into the Royal Welsh and we took her up there, which for those of you who don't know is it's on par with the Highlands. Personally, I think it's better, but I might be a bit biased. 
four days. I've only here. No, I've heard a lot of Scottish people say the Welsh is better. I will hold my hands up. Uh, yep, I can't dispute it. I've never been, but I can't dispute it. Yeah, <laughs> definitely worth a visit. It's four days of sheep, cattle, horses, tractors, stands. It's got everything. It is no, no beer, no beer. Wow, there's plenty of that. Don't you? <laughs> Completely plenty of that. And you know, it sounds bad, but I was. I said to somebody this Royal Welsh, I was like, do you know what? I'm looking forward to the Royal Welsh in like five, six years time when I won't have so much to do with young farmers. I just have the horses and be able to enjoy it. Won't be running around to steward, to stop judge, to compete in a main ring display dressed as a ringmaster. Um, Literally, we did a competition every day this year at the Royal Welsh. Plus, I showed my mare up there on the Wednesday and Thursday and was at everything that my club was competing in to support them and support the juniors. Like, it's just phenomenal. And, yeah, I've really enjoyed the horses, the show inside. We breed Section B's Welsh ponies at home as well. We're hoping, hopefully, got two foals on the way in the spring. So, yeah, mum sort of started the stud of them and we've been quite small. We haven't pushed them because we haven't bred for the sake of breeding. And I haven't had the best of luck with my knees. I've had a few, well, I've formed the operations over three years and then broke my leg. So it sort sort of put a bit of a stop to it. But I had a friend who was very good and showed one of my, two of my mares with me last summer. So it was good to get them out. Um, But yeah, no, that's been class. You're competing at a, a Welsh, a Yorkshire, a Highland or a, a Balmoral, I think is impressive. I really do. I think no matter what you're doing, it's fantastic. Because, I mean, um, I was lucky enough to actually show uh, British British on sheep this year, not mine, my pal Rosie's. And and just just the the fact I've shown at Highland now, not me, but I had the ability to stand in the ring, is something I never thought I'd do as a kid. You know, and, and to, to go there with your own is fantastic. So, no, kudos in itself for that. Um, and, and you mentioned this normally people have problems with their knees or their ankle most folk are something right um, but it's rare that I can talk to someone that's had the same amount of operations on their knees before <laughs> as well and I remember we spoke about this in July and uh, maybe this is nasty to do this Neris but go and tell the viewers how you broke your leg <laughs> um, so we had the raft race with young farmers and I walked up the bank down the bank and slipped over on the flat and broke my leg, ankle, dislocated my ankle and spent the day in hospital dressed as a clown. That is a story. Do you know, it's the thing is, right, I I feel like this is what always happens. Like, you do all these stuff, whatever it is, whether it's playing sports, horse riding, working on the farm, whatever, and then it's walking on the flat. <laughs> That's what does it. I felt terrible when I saw you in hospital. I was like, oh, God. Because um, you, I, I think one one morning, Will, myself and Ross, uh, at Ross Boyd, not Hamlet, had sat around your kitchen table with your mum just talking about how, like, the knees were had to be looked after, the legs had to be looked after, had to be of paramount importance, and then another injury came. Um, st- you still got the boot on, haven't you? You still got the yeah. I got the boot on Friday. Um, yeah, with the knees, I knew it was going to happen. I was mentally prepared to sit on the sofa and do nothing. This has been difficult to say the least. Um, yeah, so just trying to learn a walk today. Um, 
yeah, hit big. I managed to walk up the stairs last night. Didn't have to talk. That's a positive. So it's just going to be a lot of work and a worry with my knee. Um, since I've had the boot on and I'm about walking, got a lot of pain in my knee rather than in my leg. So making sure build muscles back up right and don't overdo it will be the biggest thing. Everyone's like, oh, you must have fallen over drunk or you must have fallen off a horse. No, staying cold sober on the flat and just didn't make it as far as the water for the raft race. Got it, got it. Yeah, just. Here, it's something about getting on that water in Wales that causes bother because I was just about to go. <laughs> um, I'll come as well to a story, so. Uh, we'll move on to the sort of the young farmer side, but we'll, we'll, I'll talk about sort of my experience with Nera. So we went down, went down in the, right at the start of July, and uh, we went and there was a few caravans in the field, and we sort of got our beds and got sorted, and really didn't go in. We dropped off our clothes. We might have got changed, and we headed out, and uh, we we went on a couple of farm trips, which was really interesting. And then um, we had a couple of beers that night. Uh, I think it would be fair to say and then um, we did another couple of farm tours the next morning which again was really interesting um, and then uh, we were going to go on canoes going to go canoeing and I was like oh this is class I love the water for those that don't know like freshwater swimming getting in a river and like that my absolute I love it I just love it um, <laughs> and we were just having lunch before we left and uh, we're having a bit of crack and I was like right it's time to go clap of the hands stand up a lot of excitement ready to go clattered and I mean clattered my head off a big oak beam and it was a we did warn you like what's that in all fairness we did warn you the ceilings are low sorry good point numerous times I'd been I'd been warned yeah I was I mean we're talking like five or six and uh, yeah I, cl- I stepped up clattered it and I was oh god that's sore thought nothing of it for a minute or two and then everyone was like you can't go you can't go and I'm like why right but Neris I haven't told you this because I can't remember um well I not because I can't remember I hadn't seen you we went to Daisy's farm before that lunch yeah eh, not Daisy it eh, went to Lucy's farm before that lunch and apparently we sat in a like circle with benches and the shit, I do not remember this at <laughs> all. I have no recollection. And even though I said we had some beers, I didn't drink the night before. So, like, I have no recollection of that. And that was before, which is really strange. So, I didn't get to go canoeing. Everyone went canoeing, which was great crack. And we met, we stopped at this little um, pub that was like on the river, which was gorgeous. It was for sale. We were actually like, I think we can get 400 grand together. Like, <laughs> it'd be lovely to come down here and run this. Have you as the local landlords? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just try and get it sorted. Um, but yeah, it was great fun, and uh, yeah, another night that night where Hamlet caused some bother in the local area. But we don't need to get into that. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> the next morning, we had the biggest spread I have ever seen. So it was great fun, um, and it was a good sort of relationship to build with with um, Wentwood and a lot of the rest of Gwent as well. Um, but as you said right at the start, Neris, you've not just been a sort of what would you say um, dipping in and out member. You have went. In deep, you've done everything that you possibly could with the looks of things. You really have sort of went for it. Could you tell us sort of a wee bit more in depth about your young farmer's involvement? Uh, yeah, where to sort of start is the thing. I've I've been a member since two thousand and nine. Um, done everything, every competition imaginable, bar cooking to date. I haven't done cooking. No, I think I might try it once. Um, I didn't want to do flowers, but being on crutches, sometimes there's no other competition that you can do. 
So I had to take up flower arranging purely because I couldn't walk. And yeah, we went, I was actually amazed to come second at field day last year. So I actually went to Malvern for the national finals this year in a wheelchair. Um, <laughs> all a bit of fun and games. But yeah, so being secretary of Wentwood now, this is my third year. Um, prior to COVID, hate that word, but we were oh. a big club. And then three years ago, coming out, we were 13 members at Rally. Um, hell of a team spirit. We were a real good, close-knit club and come third at Rally. And we were almost more pleased than the team that won. Yeah, um, yeah 13 of us like just went mad, which was great. We really, well, my kind of motto is points mean prizes. And I think they all hate me. <laughs> uh, yeah, because you kind of get put into competitions and we're going to do it and we're going to enjoy it and have a smile on our face. Um, but it shows we're third rally, well, second at rally last year, hopefully win it next year. That's the aim. But yeah. if we don't, as long as we have a good time and give it a go, I'm not really bothered. we got different team this year, building members already. I think we've already hit last year's numbers on membership, so that's brilliant. Um, we've already had some public speaking I got roped in, I'm not quite sure how, to train the junior readers and the intimate, intermediate brains trust. And it was horrible sitting there itching and just not being able to butt in and say something because you're a trainer and you've got to listen and give them con constructive criticism at the end. Um, but no, it's been brilliant. I've loved my time in Young Farmers. I've done so much. Um, one, my biggest thing most probably I've got out of Young Farmers is the travel opportunities um I went to Northern Ireland in 2018 with National and since then I haven't stopped traveling I was meant to go to America then with Wales but I couldn't get a visa so I went off to that's a long story <laughs> basically Trump blacklisted me because I'm in agriculture and self-employed um, was yeah not yeah I self-employed in agriculture not a homeowner not married and not in full-time education so I couldn't get the visa that I wanted um so now when you apply for visas and you there's that button have you ever been denied a visa I have to click yes God. but I got a, I went to New Zealand for three months did um calf rearing and au pair and over there I would have loved to have stayed for longer, but couldn't because I had to see my surgeon about my knee because I was in between operations. And then last year, I got to go to Germany on European Rally with Team Wales. And that is one of the best weeks of my life. Um, if you don't know what European Rally is, look up Rural Youth Europe and look up the podcasts that they've got. It's incredible to hear from members from all over the five nations in Europe come together for a week and just look at different topics, sustainability, diversification, things like that, and how different things affect it, all of us, but in different ways across across Europe. Um, that, that was brilliant. And then I got to go to Canada on a two-week exchange, went to Ontario, met some incredible people. Some have been back already, and I hope to meet some over there, um, see them again. Two weeks is not long enough, but... I had a jam-packed two weeks. And then this year, I got to be team leader of Wales and to Austria as part of my role with the international 
rep for Wales. Um, working with Wales YFC and the officers there has been incredible, seeing the running of the organisation, the time and effort and the staff, members and officers like myself put in is phenomenal. We had a really good team and hopefully I'd like to go back and maybe chair Wales one day. Um, but yeah, so team leader for Austria and attending the General Assembly for the Royal Youth Europe on behalf of Wales was a brilliant experience the second time I got to do it because I, I attended in Germany as well. Mm. And seeing people from all across have their opinions on an organisation that's very similar to ours with Young Farmers was brilliant. And then come back from the Isle of Man um, like a week before I broke my leg. So that was great to get to know the Isle of Man Young Farmers and Manx Young Farmers, I suppose I should call them, and see the local see the local farms and discuss the differences and similarities with farming and what they have and don't have and TB regulations and things like that was really interesting. Get to know some different people. Um, yeah, I suppose I've. If it wasn't for Young Farmers, I would never have travelled. And now I'd love nothing more than to travel somewhere different every year. It's it's something I had never done. And the second I'd done it, it sounds like you, I was like, <laughs> why am I not doing this? Why am I not doing this? There's so much to learn out there. There's so much to learn. Um, and yeah, having spoke to you in July and now followed you, you have taken at all you've taken the opportunity and to be a welsh representative at an international thing must feel pretty cool yeah it's yeah. yeah pretty incredible to be fair to be sat alongside like someone from national someone from scotland someone from Ulster, someone from Accra, like us as the five nations just to be there as five of us it was such a big thing and to to build friendships with them and connections with them is, is lovely to see. And further afield across Europe, it's uh, I've got some friends now in different parts of the world that I never thought I'd have. And I've been back to Germany since I've been on rally there and I look forward to going back to Austria. Um, it's a brilliant opportunity and it's a brilliant way to travel. Like we're coming back up to you at Lower Nicks and We'd never done a club exchange or looked at it before. And it's something I'm really glad I pushed our club to do. Don't get me wrong. It's not without its challenges, but the people you meet and the opportunities you have is completely different. And it's something that like us as a small club, we were going to struggle to host you or hence why we put you up in caravans in a field. But I hope that doesn't take away from the experience you had. And I think it's, if you want to do something, you can, and you only get as much out of it as if you put in. If you take every opportunity, like you, you're only going to benefit from it. Yes, everything's not for you. Yes, you might end up going somewhere with someone you don't like, but what? You're there with them for a couple of days, two weeks, suck it up. It's not the end of the world. And it very rarely happens. And you said you hope it doesn't take away from like our experience when we came down, if anything adds to it. You know, I oh mind that time we were in the caravans. I love that. I love that sort of thing. And we you know, we speak about it often. We were having a bit of crack about it at concert practice just last week. Like that that weekend though <laughs> for reasons that maybe we shouldn't get into, we'll always live in my memory. Like it was great fun, absolute great fun. Bit of drama, bit of crack, get to know probably 15, 20 folk that now I speak to most weeks. You know, like it's and yeah. 
And like the networking perspective, <laughs> I always try and speak to students, young farmers, whoever, about the importance of networking. And I don't think folk realise it until they do it. Like the the power I have and the network I have from this podcast is phenomenal. You know, and it, it's the ability, it's just, it's so good. Like, and, and if you can, if you can go from, like yourself, known people in Wembley, and then Gwent, and then Wales, and then UK, and then you get to the stage that you're actually known folk across Europe and across the world. You can do what you want. Like folk will keep you, folk will have you, folk will have you for an accommodation and stuff like it. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Um, what actually is um like the European rally, the rural youth Europe? What's actually happening? So if someone was to go, you said about sort of sharing ideas and whatnot, but how does it actually operate? What's the week like? So there's five of you from each country and each nation. Uh, one of you will be a team leader. Different people select their team leader different ways, whether it's an officio, uh, president, chairman, that sort of thing. Um, and then like in Wales, we held a selection day and we interviewed members to go on it. So we picked four candidates Yes, uh, on Sunday that will go and represent Team Wales along with their team leader. And so uh, this year we went over and we talked about something that we do in Wales a lot and it's a lot with milk vending machines is getting a bigger thing. And we talked about that and how it's uh, improved awareness and public knowledge about about the dairy industry and where their milk comes from and the fact that it is readily available. Um, but different countries, you can talk about all different things. It's... <laughs> It's a difficult one to describe because you're in like uni sort of accommodation or something like that. Um, We stayed at an agricultural college this time and it was, there was four of us in a room. Um, It was, I suppose, way to kind of describe it is like a school residential trip, but for older people with a good bit more drinking and a bigger social aspect. And the main thing about it is networking and building bridges with different people. Um, so that's, yeah, it's, I think if you talk to anyone who's been on a rally, the majority of them will say it's one of their best weeks of their life. And going on two rallies has been incredible, but they were so different. And I don't know if I looked at them differently or what, they were both phenomenal but they were completely different to me as a completely different prep team organising and running. So Austria ran it this year, Germany last year. It's going to Estonia next year. Um, and it's kind of a big thing to host and to be part of organising it. There's different workshops. We had a day we went on farm tours. Um, we went and looked at a recycling plant and then a venison farm that had their own killing room. And they sold majority majority on far on farmers markets, and they they served us lunch in the most stunning location ever, with <laughs> just deer all around you, like the view of the Alps. It was absolutely out of this world. It's not at all what you'd expect to see. Um, yeah, and so doing that, and then um, those that didn't go to the GA, they are lucky enough to go on our homestay go stay with a family, go uh, lakes and swimming is a big thing in Austria. So a lot of them went to that, went out for the evening, then they spent the next morning with them and come back then in the evening when we had a big barbecue. 
um, and interacted with everybody, traditional dancing. There's a big opening ceremony, closing ceremonies, very formal, pass the ball over to the next country that's going to be the next host and things like that. So, yeah, it's, it's a difficult one to actually describe what it is, but there's different workshops and sessions to get involved in and different representatives there to talk to you from different places. Um, but it's very much about working as a team and showing off then Wales in the best possible view that you can, the struggles, the positives, the cons, and seeing how other countries do different things and sharing knowledge, knowledge transfer about that. And yeah, it's, it's a big thing about networking and building bridges almost. I hope you've kicked your feet up and got comfy and enjoying another fantastic episode of the R2Cast with another really interesting guest. I would just like to quickly take another second to plug the sponsors of the show today, The Scottish Farmer, and I would strongly advise you to go out and pick one up this week and see even more of the fantastic people that are in our industry. It, I, I'm tempted to go for it for this year. I'm tempted. Um, yeah, it, it looks good. It looks so good in Estonia. It's an interesting country. I mean, Estonia is one of those countries that's flag is based on its geology. So white at the bottom, black in the middle and blue at the top is based on the fact that it's snowy all the time. It's quite dark <laughs> and the light blue. Um, and uh, yeah, just how, how do you work with that environment? How do you how do you produce food in that environment? I, I'd love to see that. Um, yeah, interesting. It is, Tieran, you've sold it. I'm not going to lie, I'd already been interested. Yes, yes. Um, we have my friend Will, to be fair. Do you, do you remember Will from Raglan? Six Wills. What Will? Will Morgan. Yes. Uh, yes. So yes. Will has just got a place on the Wales team. And in his interview, he sort of said to them, well, Nera sold it to me. So that's the main reason I want to go, because it sounds incredible. And then... Um, he asked them what 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 was their best bet, bit about rally or memory, and they said it was the best week of their life. And I was like, that's exactly what Neris said. So I yeah. can't have done yeah. too bad a job selling it. <laughs> no, that's it exactly, and it just sounds like everyone feels the same about it, and it's good. Like that's good. Did you say you had ninety five applicants for that at the start, or was that for something else? So that was across the entire program. There was ninety five right. different interviews then. So. Yeah, yeah, we were, the international programme this year was, yeah, pretty spectacular. We've got a trip to Cork in Ireland, which I'm lucky enough to be going on. Oh, uh, we're going to the Isle of Wight. We've got a big trip over to Canada to Calgary Stampede and the Rockies. And then we've got a study session in Budapest with Royal Youth Europe, the European Rally and the Autumn Seminar in Latvia. And I feel like I'm missing one. The mystery trip as well is going ahead. Ooh, do you know what it is? Nobody knows where it is yet. It's not planned yet. Oh, so is, is it planned to be a mystery trip or do you just not know yet? Yeah, so we ran it last year for the first time and basically we didn't tell them where they were going to a couple of days before. Hopefully we're not going to tell them this time until they're at the airport. So you basically tell them this is the type of clothes you're going to need? You're going to a European city. That's yeah. kind of what they know. There's a group of them going. It'll be about four or five days. Um, yeah, it's just, it's something different that the international programme can offer. And we've got a big thing coming out this year that I'm very pleased about. Um, we've got a cruise. So we're going to have so many places going on a cruise. Um, hi. How are you, Jane? You all right? Hi, thank you. Good and to you? see you. Yeah, good. Very good. Yeah. Good to see you. 
Right, I'll let you get on. Thank you very much. Good to see you. Good to see you. But um, yeah, so we got a cruise going on this year, which um, I think Rianne Wynn thought I was crazy when I suggested the idea. She's an international and comms member of staff at Wales. Yeah. And it's actually got a lot of people talking about it. So hopefully, fingers crossed, it will be the next big Wales YFC trip. I wonder if if I do progress from vice to national vice, uh, to national chair of com- comms and marketing next year, if uh, I'm able to push a cruise, that sounds. Oh, you're not allowed to copy us. That's not on. No, oh, I don't care about copying. I'm doing it. I don't care less. Like that sounds amazing. <laughs> you know, I you sit can, on the, you know, the national for well PD, which is basically uh, personal development training and travel. And they're like, so nervous, what can you tell us? And I'm like, hmm, well. <laughs> a cruise. I love boats, love them. That sounds class. Um, and the, the international travel thing's really cool. I mean, like, where they went this year, sort of Agri Rural Affairs um, Committee uh, went to Canada, which was very, very Agri based, it was about three weeks. Um, and then they had a completely, they had a, a India, which was a little bit farming, but still ma- mainly cultural. And then Croatia, which was just completely go to Croatia, have a good time. And I think I think that's important. You know, I think from a comms and marketing perspective, I think we maybe thought, oh, how are we going to promote this? And I think the way I, in my head, is farming doesn't mean farming 379 days a week. No. A year. You know, and yeah. I think it's bad for thinking that. Um, no definitely you need a break and I think that's a big thing we see at Young Farmers is a lot of people come from a break like stresses and everything and mental health whether you think about it or not it is a big thing and Young Farmers is a time to switch off and have a change with like-minded people that if you want to talk about it or not you can or not like there's every opportunity there and just know you're surrounded by people that get yeah, sometimes every day is not easy. Yeah. Um, and every day working by yourself isn't easy either. Um, a lot of people won't admit it, but it's great to see everybody turn up at Young Farmers and switch off and chill. And whether it's a business meeting, whether it's a social in a pub or stop judging training, anything, like it's all good. We've went with, well, me, I suppose, have pushed a lot of get on the back British farming pushing different things and people to say things and I've been putting like reels together partly because I've had this time on my hands but partly because I think it is important and everybody has got something to say on it and it's been good to see how it's not flying on social media but it's taken off yeah Um, keep your eyes out Wentworth have done their bailout and on the farmers weekly we've had the combine in the farmers weekly so check that out it looks pretty damn good if you ask me the lads have done themselves proud it's one of the best ones I've seen. I take that. Yeah, no, here, and I don't just mean this year. I mean across the board. I would, I would actually throw. Um, so I'm from the Isle of Arran, and there is not a, an Isle of Arran Young Farmers Club anymore. But uh, when there was, I think we did pretty well. Uh, I'll see if I can find this uh, photo just while while we're sort of doing this, and I can show you it now. But um, I don't know if you have that. Uh, McCoo cow out with basically out with Scotland. Um it's a guy who makes art art, I guess, about cows and stuff like that, about hailing cows. Uh, and uh, we tried that, so I know everyone listening can't see that, but um no, I thought yours was brilliant. And it was here, even get a call to, to get folk get new members. Love it. 
Um, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. We've, um, yeah, National Young Farmers Week with like Wales and England Young Farmers then this week. So it's all been a big push for that. And the bale art competition's been a competition at Gwent for that. But it's good to see we've got some publicity and got a load of likes and shares behind it. It's good for members as well. Boost morale shows that what they're doing is good. Um, yeah, there's so many things you can get out of young farmers. I'm a big advocate for give everything a go because you never know. It you could it could be your new new favorite thing. Like I've never traveled, now I can't get enough of it. Uh-huh. I'm a public speaker, but through young farmers, I can stand up and give a speech now without worrying because you've done the training, you've done the competitions, and whether you win or not, you've learned something whilst doing it. And it's an amazing skill being able to do that as well. Um... And speaking of publicity, you guys ended up on Gareth Wynne Jones' Facebook as well, dressed fantastically in the World Welsh, which was a good laugh, which was um, just two weeks after we'd seen you, and I was just watching it, and I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I recognise some of those. <laughs> I know them. Jason wasn't dressed as the tiger before. Uh, yeah, so um, no, it was quite cool. It was cool. Uh, but here at Nenis, it's always, uh, you know what, I love bringing folk on that I know to a point. Um, <laughs> because you spoke to them for a while and you know a bit about them, but when you sit and actually speak uninterrupted for an hour, it's quite interesting. Um, and we have done, we have spoke for an hour, but there's there's a, there's two questions at the end of every podcast that, that I throw to everyone. And one of them is horrible. It's a horrible question. I, I'll throw my hands up and say that. Um, the first one, which I think is the horrible one, is uh, one, where do you see yourself in five years? And two, uh, if you had any tips for folk getting into farming, what do you think they'd be? Well, the one that you think is horrible, I can answer that easily. By the time I'm 30, I want to have worked cattle on horseback. Brilliant. That's not really a big thing, but to me, that's something I want to achieve. That's class. Yeah, mum just looked at me like, you know what you want to do by the time you're 30? (laughs) No, somebody asked me that a couple of weeks ago, and they thought I'd say, oh, settle down or own a house or something. No, no, I want to work cattle on horseback by the time I'm 30. So that is a big thing for me. I don't, I'm thinking Canada, yeah. possibly Australia, Argentina's incredible, but I don't know. I haven't sorted that out yet. I've, I know people in places, I've got contacts. I'm not worried. I'm not sure when yet, but I don't want to go on a dude ranch holiday. That's not for me. I love horses, I love riding, yeah. and I love farming. You're not taking your own horse, are you? <laughs> taking the horse to Canada. <laughs> well, I might not come back then. <laughs> I, said, I know, it never see wheels again. Pack my hunter's bags and we'll be gone. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the other one, getting into farming, I'd say if you want to do it, put your all in, get involved. It's not easy to get into farming if you're from an agricultural background or not. Um, but give it your all. Join your local young farmers because the contacts you'll gain through that, the opportunities you'll have, whether it's just moving little bales of hay or relief milking, you could get something out of it. And it's that contact and knowledge transfer that really does make it for everybody. Um, There's so many opportunities within Young Farmers for courses, career expansion, everything, whether you are farming full-time or not, somebody in young farmers will be able to help you um at a later stage so even if you don't think it's the thing for you it will give you a link to something you can say 
I'm in Young Farmers and people relate with that. Um, that give it your all, take every opportunity because if you don't, you don't know where you'll be. Things are thrown at you for a reason, whether it's a good or a bad thing, you might as well enjoy it. No, brilliant. And Young Farmers thing, I've probably just been it for some time and then haven't joined it in the last 15 months. It's mental what I've got from it. So, no, absolutely, completely agree. Um, uh, yeah, I can totally say I wouldn't be the person I am today without Young Farmers. And, yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's a big part of my life. Like, all of my, well, 95% of my friends are from Young Farmers in some way or another, whether they've been a farmer or not. Yeah. Because... Or some of them haven't even been members, but their friends are friends that I've met in Young Farmers. And that's a big thing. Like I went all the way to New Zealand and met a girl from Scotland and we traveled the North Coast together. Like you don't go to the other side of the world and meet somebody that's now considered one of my best pals. Who was it? Let's see if I've heard of them. Catherine Hind? No, no. And, and this, I, I could probably it's quite weird like it, it wouldn't have been a massive shock if i had heard of someone in farming in scotland in fairness um no it's it's a it's a great community young farmers it really is and it can take you over the world um and it it, it, it blew me away just when i realized just how much but um to your nearest it's been a pleasure i hope you've enjoyed yourself i am um, yeah no, thank you very much it's, oh, it's been Classic. Not at all, just a couple of times. They just wanted to get involved. Yeah, I don't blame <laughs> them. Don't blame them. Uh, but no, thank you uh, for coming on. I appreciate your time. And for those of you listening, that's been Neris Lewis speaking about <laughs> really probably the, the peaks of what young farmers can offer you if you put the work in. Um, it's taken full advantage. As I said, the last episode, if you're interested, was Cannon Hall Farm. Uh, shot to fame recently i mean the, the the guys i had on have employed 250 people that's mad 250 insane i don't think i've had anyone on that employs more and um, so that was pretty interesting katie tunstall is the next episode diary of a shepherdess i'll be fam- filming with katie in the next hour or so um so yeah a lot of good episodes coming um i'm trying to get ahead so i don't have to worry about filming when i'm in america um, and when, when I'm out there, uh, I'm out with SRUC, uh, just promoting what we do to a, an audience in the States. So very much looking forward to that. But as always, thank you very much for listening. And we'll see you for the 145th episode of the R2Cast. We shall see you then. I hope you've enjoyed another excellent episode of the R2Cast as much as I have. And I would just like to quickly thank our primary sponsors of the show today, Howden Rural, the new name for Aplan Rural. If you follow Howden Rural on social media, you'll see the plethora of work that they do to support this sector, and it's been a pleasure to work alongside them so far, and long may it continue. For more information about them, be sure to check out howdeninsurance.co.uk forward slash rural, and I'll see you for the next episode.